Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh, man. That's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry. I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Is This Real Life, a Bravo podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of reality TV to our own lives. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Hope everyone's doing all right. Sorry for this podcast coming to you a few hours later than normal. It's been quite a week. Um, My dog has actually been really sick, and so I wasn't able to work on the podcast when I normally do, but hopefully she's on the mend. Uh, You know, I should have known when I named her Stassi, you know, because she was such a difficult puppy with a lot of attitude that she would give me some grief, but she's got um, inflammatory bowel disease, IBD. And it flares up sometimes, and it is really tough. So if any of you listening also have a dog with IBD, please, for the love of God, reach out to me and let me know how you deal with it, because I am struggling. Of course, you know, I laugh about it sometimes. This is how I know that my dog is Jewish, because she has so many digestive issues. (laughs) But my God, Uh, Well, we have a lot to discuss about Bravo this week. Just wanted to share some of my thoughts on things that we didn't cover in this week's chat with Veronica. First of all, I have been watching Southern Charm, and I am interested in it. I didn't expect to be. I really, really like Leva, the new um, woman. She's Persian. She's married to a black man. They have a mixed family, and she talks about it a lot. And it's really interesting. We have a lot of family friends who are Persian who fled Iran in 1979, and it's just very interesting to see that kind of a family being played out on TV, and I loved the dinner party that she had with all of the Persian dishes. So I'm also not sure what to make of Catherine this season. I've always thought she was just kind of shady, um, but I felt very bad for her, for her situation with Thomas and the custody battle and just how she was treated by him. But then this season, she's talking about him living in his house and making it seem like maybe we could get back together. And 
I know that there are a lot of people who are in situations that are abusive physically or emotionally who go back to their abuser, but it just seems so shocking that after the last few seasons and her whole storyline was around how much grief he gave her and how he tried to take her children away from her, that she would even think about being back with him. But I realize there's a lot I don't understand or know. But now he's apparently gotten another woman pregnant, and she is very far along, like six or seven months. And Catherine found out because her lawyer looked into it. I mean, this is just absolutely wild. I've also been watching Below Deck, and I wonder, you know, does anyone know some of the backstory about how they find the guests for these charters, because it appears like they tried to find guests that are problematic in some way. And I'm wondering if the guests are told ahead of time or just by knowing the show, if they try to sort of exaggerate how awful they are and be as demanding as possible to try and make a show. I don't know. I just, it's so hard for me to believe that these charter guests could be this demanding and awful, but I'm sure people like that exist. So I would love people's thoughts on that. And then with the Real Housewives of Orange County, I also had questions for you guys. Was wondering if Bronwyn's storyline on alcoholism is helpful to those of you who've either experienced alcoholism. Um, you know, are in recovery or have family members that are currently battling alcoholism, if it's like cathartic to watch it on TV or if it's actually really triggering and difficult. Because um, I, I have a friend who has a family member who um, is recently out of rehab and she was asking me, do you think if I watched this show, it would like be helpful and kind of cathartic for us to to watch this story unfold. And I said, I have no idea. <laughs> so um, would love to hear from from other people. And then of course, we're going to get into the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City with Veronica today. But there was one thing that I mentioned to her um, that I was so disgusted by on the show, which was Jen Shaw's kind of flippant comment about her son potentially getting AIDS through kissing. I just thought it was just absolutely horrible. And I've seen that since the show aired, she has apologized for that comment. And I really appreciate her taking accountability because... You know, there's like no room for this kind of ignorance. It's just like, come on. And it's rare to see a housewife apologize for anything. So I very much appreciate it kind of right off the bat. She's like, hey, I was wrong. I shouldn't have said this. And I hope she can, you know, maybe use her platform to support various AIDS charities moving forward. All right, guys, my guest this week is so lovely, Veronica Leventhal. Um, you guys may know her because she is Rick Leventhal's daughter and Kelly Dodd's stepdaughter, but she is a fantastic human in her own right. She is a social worker and an activist and a huge Bravo fan. And we get into it, especially recapping this week's Salt Lake City. And I get all of her thoughts on the Real Housewives of Potomac. And we really bond over both being 
liberal, outspoken daughters of more conservative-leaning fathers. You know, my dad, I talk about him a lot, is an immigrant from the former Soviet Union, and like many people who immigrated from that country, tends to be more politically conservative and has a lot of fear about communism and socialism and kind of any large government control. So we talk a bit about that and, you know, how you have a relationship with a family member with whom you may disagree politically. As always, would love if you guys go on Apple Podcasts and give me a five-star review, maybe write some nice words, really always appreciate it, and follow me online at ITRL underscore podcast. Without any further disruptions, here is Veronica Leventhal. Hi, everyone. I'm here with the lovely Veronica Leventhal, who is a forensic social worker, I think, yes. in <laughs> New York City, working for the New York City Defender's Office in Manhattan. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm pumped. I am so excited to be here. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you, especially Salt Lake City Premier Week. Like, yes, we're going to get into everything. I want to know all of your thoughts. Um, but first of all, how is New York City? Like, is it dead? <laughs> I've heard, you know. <laughs> um, I guess it depends who you talk to. Uh, I, I'm still enjoying living here, but it's certainly different. I mean, of course it is. Yeah. You know, 30,000 of your neighbors have died. Like, if people yes. think it's going to become a massive party all over again without any acknowledgement. Exactly. And I also think that New Yorkers have always been pretty good about figuring out things to do outside their apartments because our apartments are very small. So the creativity level is quite high. Um, but there's also, like, limited space here. So it's hard to have something cool that's not going to get too crowded. So yeah. I'm just trying to be careful. Wear my mask all the time. Um, there's a march or a protest that looks pretty cool on Saturday that I'm going to try and go to and what's the protest on um it's about police brutality um especially right after the election uh New York City police have been sort of uh retaliatory toward mm -hmm. protesters because uh I think a lot of them the election did not go the way that they wanted it to and the protesters were excited so a lot of people were arrested and I work for a public defender's office. So we got a lot of those clients of people who had been arrested, but not only arrested, but like roughed up and okay. people were hurt in a way that seems unconstitutional and illegal. So, so I think that a lot of the, the protests right now are just about structures need to be put in place so that it doesn't feel like it's the people versus the cops in the city because that's a problem. Yeah, definitely. Well, I grew up in Minneapolis and so I certainly understand that the there can be a population policing who doesn't really reflect the community. Um, well, we also are both liberal daughters of conservative <laughs> fathers. <laughs> Although yours has a little bit more... Uh, following and attention than mine does. <laughs> Wanted to know, how did you navigate this election season, having a family member with whom you like very much disagree? Well, I think that um, 
I don't want to speak for his current feelings or policies because I, I made a rule like I'd say years ago that um, I was like, if we're going to do this, like if we're going to spend time together, we need to just avoid this topic because I completely agree with and respect people who have been saying that we need to teach our families about things and we need to talk about these things and bring it up more, especially if we're white people who are going home to white families. But I have been in this position. I've been trying to make anyone around me who is conservative more liberal since I was probably 14 years old. So (laughs) yeah. I, I agree and I'm there with them, but at a certain point I had to be like, I need to re- retain this relationship in my life. And the only way to do that was to be like, we're not talking about politics. I should probably take a lesson from you in that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I talk and my dad keeps like begging me, like, please don't bring it up, please. But I can't help it. And then he throws little digs too. <laughs> so Yeah, it's like when... You are getting to a point where it's personally, it feels personally insulting the other person's opinions, and it is, it is really impacting your well being and your sense of self. You get to a point where you're like, either, um, either I need to become a completely different person and change (laughs) my opinions, or this is not happening because like nobody is convincing anybody without a lobotomy. Yeah. That's true. That's what people have said also of like you have family members um, or friends who are QAnon supporters or big conspiracy theorists. Like, what do you do if you see them like at Thanksgiving or a family gathering? Like, how do you talk to them? Well, chances are if they are a very vehement like supporter or follower, you're not going to be able to change their mind. So it doesn't really make sense to engage because you're the one that's getting hurt by it, you know? Yeah, I saw something so beautiful on Instagram that I posted on one of my stories. And it was like um, this public figure who's who had a mother of a 15-year-old queer kid reach out to them and ask them advice on like, how do I deal with this? My child thinks that they're unsafe in my home. And this person was just like, I you're coming to me. So I just want to be sure you want my honest feedback, right? And she was like, yes, I do. And then they took her to task. They were like, of course they feel unsafe. You, you know, you did this and that and whatever. And like, it's clear that you love them and everything. And I think that hearing from a third party, especially someone who was famous really was impactful on this person in a way that like something her daughter said would never have been. Right. Yeah. It's also weird when you're like the child and they're the parent, but you're both adults now. And yet sometimes they want you to behave as an adult because that's what you are. And other times they want you to play the role of the child where you're listening and learning from them when you're kind of like, I've listened and learned enough. (laughs) Also, like I and I I feel this way in a lot of conversations with people who are conservatives who sort of um, disagree with me or, or are rude to me and talk down to me. It's like. I went and got a master's degree in social work. I have gone to, I had took a lot of courses in like, you know, um, the social inequality, economic inequality, racial inequality in this country. And so I'm not, uh, I'm not getting my news from Facebook. Like I, I kind of know what I'm talking about sometimes. So when you're telling me that I'm wrong in certain arenas, it also makes me feel like somebody is telling me that I'm dumb, which is my thing. And that's, that's on me. But like, 
it it feels very insulting. Yeah, no, definitely. So what has it been like seeing your dad on The Real Housewives of the OC? Like, how wild is that? It, it, I, I can't even explain it. It's like, uh, wh- <laughs> how is he on my least favorite network and my favorite network at the same time? It doesn't make any <laughs> fucking sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's very weird. I guess it's less weird because because there have been times that I've turned on the television, I've been like, oh, there's my dad. But no, it's the lighting on Bravo is much better. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's so interesting to watch. So he moved to Orange County recently, right? Yeah, I guess it was uh, earlier this year. So when was the first time that you met Kelly? I met Kelly the same time he did um, because Ramona was hanging out with one of his friends and he was throwing a summer party. And so Ramona and had Kelly as a house guest the same weekend. And so Ramona followed this guy to my dad's like backyard pool party. (laughs) And, um, yeah. And then she also brought her other friend and Kelly. And so, um, my dad also pretty much only knew who they were because I was freaking the fuck out. Um, and then, had he ever watched Housewives or anything of the sort? I remember uh, he used to talk about how he once watched an episode of the Kardashians and he really hated it. But I think that's the closest he ever got to like the reality TV <laughs> universe. So when he met her, did he go back and like try and watch her on TV? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I know that um, like I tried to give him like a quick education and Bravo stuff. But he, I think he really zoned out. I had to put it in like football terms to make it interesting or something. And I didn't know how to do that. (laughs) That's so funny. When did you get to meet Jolie? I met her um, over the summer. Yes. Because they came to New York for like a family vacation thing. Um, Yeah. And she's such a lovely, wonderful teenager. Like, oh my God. So mature and just, yeah, really great. She seems so graceful, like on our TV for being so young. And then there's those are like the most awkward years, you know? And then to, I don't know, have all these cameras in your face and your parents are getting divorced and it's on TV for all these people to watch. She's very quick. She is witty and as witty in person as she is on television. She is very funny. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. And so the wedding went well. <laughs> Sounds well, like. I didn't get COVID, so that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it seems like you'd be more likely to get COVID at Cynthia and Mike's wedding than you would have at your dad and Kelly's. I know. I was looking at that. at pictures of that. And I was wondering, like, is anyone going to come out and be like, ooh, I tested positive? I didn't hear anything, so that's a good sign. I mean, Giselle said she left early. Like, because she was uncomfortable? Yeah. Oh. She, uh, on the, what's that show that she's on now where there's like the four of them? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I but, haven't watched it. I don't know why. I'm obsessed with all four of those women. Well, They're wait. great. It's Portia, Giselle, Hannah, and who's the fourth one? Um, Kate Chastain. Okay, yeah. I don't know her as well, but I like um, Portia and Giselle a lot. 
I met Kate Chastain in February when she was in Northern Virginia at some like random bar. And oh my God, that's so cool. She was awesome. She's really funny. There was one, there was a episode, God knows how many seasons ago on Below Deck where she, as a joke, made, you know, they make the towels into different like animals or flowers or whatever. Well, she made a giant penis and like <laughs> left the like, <laughs> the like, throw blanket on the bed like that and then when confronted about it she said it was a rocket ship and it was like this thing where like the captain was really upset with her for being inappropriate and it was so funny and it became this like joke with the the guest anyway so I didn't have anything to bring her my she was doing a book signing there were like not that many people my friend had her book (laughs) like owned it already which is why we went to begin with and I was like can you sign my book and I was like here's my jacket can you make a a rocket ship (laughs) and she loved that she did she actually made one (laughs) that's awesome that's incredible she's so funny and quick-witted so but I Giselle was you know asked how the wedding was and stuff and like you know what were the toasts like and she's like I left before the toasts and I think she didn't want to like give an answer and then she said well there was just you know a lot of people in the beginning were wearing their masks and everything and then as people started eating and drinking they came off and there was a lot of people and I just you know didn't want to I just thought I would leave (laughs) so yeah I get it did your dad and Kelly have personalized masks for the wedding? They had a bunch of them. That's awesome. It's like giving out yeah. a, a yarmulke, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like um, the wedding <laughs> yarmulkes. They, yes, it is like that, but um, 2020 version, I guess. Uh, they had like, yeah, they had a bunch of them like with different colors. or Like they were different black and white versions and they had different sayings on them. Did she know that the wearing black at your wedding and having all the guests in white was something from Selling Sunset? Okay, so I watched Selling Sunset, but I hadn't gotten to that episode yet. And when I was, when I told my friends, like, I need a white outfit. So like, we all, you know, need to be on the hunt for that as a collective group. Um, They were like, like Selling Sunset. And I was like, (laughs) what do you mean? And then I watched the episode and I, I texted my dad and I was like, Hey, uh, have you ever seen selling sunset? <laughs> and he was like, I've heard of it. I was like, well, I guess they also did this black and white thing. And he was like, Oh, cool. <laughs> so it was, certainly wasn't inspired by them. Did he ask you anything about his outfit that day? Like, do you know who picked it out? No, I think he would never. He, <laughs> He, um, I think he has like not terrible fashion sense generally, actually. I, um, the one thing that he does that I now do too, which is so funny and such a like always sunny in Philadelphia thing is that he always rips the sleeves off of his t-shirts and I don't know why, but like in, we had to give a bunch of stuff away years ago. And I just remember like pulling out like a dozen fucking like ripped off t-shirts and I was like. What do you do? Like, what? What do you? Where do you wear all these? <laughs> so weird. So I guess I'm just glad that he didn't wear like a black tank top with the sleeves that were ripped <laughs> off at his wedding. That's amazing. Was it like a really nice little service, or was it kind of quick? Um, it was. So there was. It was raining during the service, which was actually good because we were in Sonoma and they had 
they, you know, they had all these fires yeah. and it was so great that it was raining. Um, and they, you know, they kept it brief, which is perfect. Exactly what you need in an outdoor ceremony in the rain, like a loving, quick, we're married. My um, dad also got married and he, he was married in August and it was the only day that it rained <laughs> in a really long time and it rained the entire day so we thought there was going to be a little break and we were supposed to get married in the backyard there was this like beautiful chuppah with all these flowers and you know this like whole flower arrangement and we thought it was like about to pass and we we're all getting ready to go outside the videographer and everything and <laughs> right when that happened the sky opens and it starts hailing <laughs> Oh, Jesus. And luckily, my stepmom is just, she just burst out laughing. (laughs) (laughs) She goes, oh, I guess now is not when we're going to go out. Whereas like my brother who was officiating was like so uptight and so anxious. And, you know, 25 minutes later, we went out, we did the thing and went back in. But yeah, you can never plan these things, you know? No. Certainly not. Well, um, okay. Before we get into Salt Lake, I wanted to ask your opinion on a very important pressing Bravo issue. What the hell do you think happened between Erica and Tom Girardi? I think that they were in a very loving marriage for a very long time. But it is my opinion, not fact, but opinion, (laughs) (laughs) that probably at a certain point she may have been more virile or or young in a sense and needed to maybe see some younger people in a romantic way (laughs) yeah I, i was just wondering what while like watching last season the only time I ever thought there was something really off with their marriage was when he didn't go see her on Broadway because it had been op- like she'd been on for over two months and he travels a lot for work. The fact that he didn't get on like a private jet or whatever, however he travels and go to New York just for one show. Like she was like, oh, he was going to come for the, the last one. He should come from like you're on Broadway. Go multiple yeah. times. That's amazing. Yeah. So that I thought was weird. You know? Yeah, I think there's been some like other like minor weird things. I don't know. She, I get she isn't that open of a person in general, but still, it was like you know we never really heard anything about their marriage, about like how it was going except for like it's great he's amazing everything's great all the time stop talking about it that bothers me i feel like giselle is trying to do that also with jamal on potomac and the other women are starting to poke you know a little but given that the rest of these housewives we see their marriages fall apart we see them fall in love we see the good the bad the ugly the fact that she never really let us in you know, it's not that her husband is so important. A lot of these husbands are important, you know, and have important jobs. You know, your dad, you know, is a major news, you know, person, personality. So I don't know. I just thought it was weird. I think that a lot of 
a lot of women on Housewives, it's interesting because they get mad at each other because they're like, I had to open up about this infidelity or this thing or whatever, and you're not. And that's annoying me. But it's not, it, it just all has to do with like equity and that kind of thing. And it's really hard to um, sort of have a scale of that because some, yeah, some people's husbands also legitimately cannot be on the show or some people's kids can't because of custody agreements or whatever. And I think the only people who should be implementing consequences for that are Bravo. Like those are the people who are in charge of like for Sutton, they decided for whatever reason, because they couldn't use enough of the footage with her family that she shouldn't be a real housewife and she should just be a friend of like, that is who I think should be making those executive decisions. And like, thank you for your input, Karen. But um, (laughs) like, and you know, you're welcome to be angry and upset or whatever, but like, then then ask then ask yeah if she's not gonna bring it up ask about it because you're all being filmed so let's talk about the husband (laughs) (laughs) one of my favorite quotes okay let's get into salt lake city because what a blessing this franchise is going to be for us for this winter for bravo like I mean, I thought it was incredible. Couldn't have been any better. <laughs> so, but like, what did you think? Okay, so I have a uh, what might be like a hot take or like a bad take. I don't know, but bring it, bring it. <laughs> so I feel the way I feel about Potomac is that it's hard for me to not like any of those women. Like, I I genuinely sort of like all of them. And I'm watching Salt Lake City, and I'm like, I don't like any of these women. Like, I equally feel like I dislike all of them, but I feel fine about it. Like I'm, I'm obviously going to watch and I'm going to enjoy myself thoroughly, but like each of them has something about them where I'm just like, I don't like you. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, let's go one by one and talk about them. (laughs) Because I didn't like any of them except for, I liked Heather. You see, that's the thing is that Heather seems the most likable, down to earth, like a, a Bethany style, you know, bringing people into reality. But her fucking tagline and her whole like "I'm a pioneer woman" backstory is creepy, and her yeah. rapping is a hate crime. That's a fucking hate crime. <laughs> we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I know it is. I know it. <laughs> Wait, let's start with Jen Shaw. Um, so this woman has been like out, you know, trying to get her name out there for the longest time. I think they filmed this a while ago, but she's been like on Twitter and Instagram, just like trying to drum up, you know, excitement about the franchise. She's married to Sharif, who is a football coach at the University of Utah. He's Muslim and she converted when she found out five years into their marriage that, uh, black men or black people were not allowed into the mormon church until like what 1970 something too yeah it's in the book of mormon it's in that song it's like you know in 19 blah blah blah, god changed his mind about black people and they're like black people (laughs) well it's also because the whole ideology of mormonism is that it was based that like um it's american centric Mm-hmm. That like, you know, uh, the pe- white people from America are like their chosen people, which doesn't really make a lot of sense when it comes to like their timeline and history and that kind of stuff. So it does the racism fits in very neatly with their ideology, I think their history. 
their history for sure. I'm sure they're trying to make some changes. Oh, sure. Which, you know, they should. But how do you go five years, over five years, not discussing like your religion, which seems like a very core value or tenant of your world? That was wild. Like a Mormon and a Muslim marry. (laughs) Don't talk about it. What? How did that not come up? Like when he first started dating her and she was like, oh, I'm Mormon. And he's like, oh, well, I can't be Mormon because I'm black. Like, why? What? How did that not come up? I don't know. It was it was really the thing I thought was adorable is when he talked about what they how they met. Like he went up to her and he's like, is this seat taken? And she's like, no one's sitting there. (laughs) So I guess not. And but now she's talking about their relationship and she says it's primarily on FaceTime because he's up early and he's home late and all of that stuff, um, which I've thought was a little bit of a red flag. Like I feel like in every first season, first episode of Housewives, these women often drop these little red flags about their relationships. We saw it first season with Ashley Darby. You know, you see it with like so many housewives in the very beginning. You're like, that marriage is not going to last. You know, Taylor Armstrong, like very early on. And so this, they seem to be happy, but there was like that one line. I was like, ooh. I got those vibes strongly from Meredith. Yes. And I was in a group chat with my friends and I was like, I feel so bad that her son, who is my new favorite housewife, Brooks, um, that he has to be in the middle of like his parents, the demise of their marriage. Yeah, that one was tough. I was really excited to see her because she's Jewish and I'm Jewish and, you know, it's just like fun to see a, you know, Jew in the middle of like Utah. Because it's exactly how I pictured it, you know? Also, she's so beautiful. She's gorgeous. I wonder what the other two children are up to. Like, I'm sure they're, like, at school and other things, you know, moved on. But it was interesting that the middle child, Brooks, was there. Now, he is fabulous. When they went on that hike, (laughs) he's, like, complaining and talking about, like, wild animals, like, (laughs) coming... Well, I did a little digging on Instagram last Ooh, night. Tell me everything about episode, him. And it seems that, yes, he did take time off from school. Unclear if he decided to go back because he started a clothing line, which he is promoting on the bodies of the women on Salt Lake City. So like Jen Shaw in a future episode is apparently wearing one of his um, designer jumpsuits, something. Track well, suits. And his mom owns that store that I guess a lot of celebrities get like buy their clothes from so right maybe i did see her daughter's instagram she is also so pretty that family is so attractive so beautiful their house was also really cool like when i saw jen's house and it's like the chalet i couldn't tell i'm like is this a vacation home is this where you actually live like i'm just not familiar with that style home you know like right in the middle of a like ski resort style yeah it didn't seem as warm you know but that it seemed like there'd be like an animal head like on a wall like if you just like looked you know (laughs) um but that was uh interesting oh one thing that i really did not appreciate about jen shaw i thought i would really like her because she's been like riding hard for biden and harris and wore a like dress made out of biden harris signs she mentioned when she was talking to her son that she's like 
um, you know, are you kissing girls? Like, don't kiss girls. You can get herpes and AIDS. And mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. how many decades are we into the AIDS epidemic? Like, it's not 1980. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you on a major network? Harley was like, like that. Are you just saying these things because you are coming from some place where you're like, if I tell my kids crazy things, they're not going to do that? You know how sometimes they want to use fear as a tactic? Yeah. But I I couldn't tell if it was her trying to just scare him or her literally not knowing how AIDS is spread, which is a problem. Either way. I mean, that just seemed yeah. like I saw um, in one of the like HIV publications that I follow because I work in public health. People were like pretty outraged. <laughs> I don't blame them. That was really messed up and strange. Oh, she's a strange one. She's really different. I mean, I I agree with Mr. Cohen that you should not be going to your housewives for medical advice. But <laughs> I also think that it is partially a responsibility of Bravo to not let that or like put that on television. It's just so wild. So then we meet Heather Gay. Um, and while not a doctor, she is the head of a beauty lab and laser so she's all about botox and people achieving perfection so we get to see her three daughters and um she kind of opens up about her backstory which you thought was a little creepy i just um i I was watching with my boyfriend so that did taint some things for me because right after the first part when like we found out where she's her back, her brief history of her backstory and her tagline, which is like pretty blatantly like, I'm a white lady from white town. My ancestors are all white. And he was, <laughs> he was just like, are we allowed to cancel her before this started? Cause that is not good. <laughs> That's so funny. I didn't take it that I took it as like the way that the Mormons I've known like to talk about how they are in relation to the church and its history and so, oh, like it's a proud, a proudness about their lineage. Yes. And so when you say you're a pioneer, you're like, my ancestors were part of the group that literally moved across the country due to persecution and then founded this amazing place. So that's how that I took it. So but. much more sense because, yeah, we're coming from like a liberal elite fucking east coast perspective where we're like don't talk about your pioneer background (laughs) like if your ancestors were colonizers you need to apologize every day of your life like shut up (laughs) (laughs) so it's interesting because when you look at like the history of you know mormons they were persecuted for yeah you know their beliefs and their religion and so they did like move west and so i think when they say pioneer they're not thinking like we moved and took over this land which they did but that we are you know running away from everyone else and you know making this we made something incredible and the city you know of salt lake city is an incredible city yeah so you're so smart no it's just like (laughs) just like what i thought from if you whenever i talk to people who are mormon they always like to explain like where they fit in because the history isn't that old yeah 
you know, it's like a couple hundred years. So you're like, what was it? Like Whitney Rose was like, yeah, my like fourth great grandfather was this guy. And it's like, well, that really wasn't that long ago. No. Uh, I mean, I read Under the Banner of Heaven, the one of the books about Mormonism written by this guy who's like very good at what he does, but it's been a while. So I like remember the basics, but not a lot. I wonder... You know, how do you think, and you mentioned that Andy asked this and Watch What Happens Live, but how do you think people in Salt Lake City and Mormons in general will take to this franchise? Well, like Lisa thinks that they're going to love it, that everyone in Salt Lake City (laughs) wants to be a housewife. And Heather thinks Lisa is nuts and thinks that everyone in Salt Lake City is going to hate it. And I feel sort of... Like, I think I agree with both of them in different ways. It reminds me a little bit of Dallas, where it seems that some of the upper echelon are looking at it like, oh, I want to do that. And then some of them are like, please stop talking about our secrets and stuff. This is not cool. Yeah, it's it's definitely exposing parts of the Mormon church that I think, you know, Mormons don't like to talk about because it's not what the, it's not what a lot of practicing Mormons believe is like the tenets of Mormonism. It's not like, oh, I don't drink. I don't do this. I don't do that. It's about what you do do, right? Acts of service, you know, being good to your body, being good to your family. So when they focus on the parts that like you don't think are as great or, you know, the main focus, then it must be tough. But I am excited to learn more about that community because I know very little and it feels like we're like cultural anthropologists right now. Just we are. sort of finding out like, I don't even know what Mormon 2.0 is. They mentioned that. I guess they it's did. just someone who converts. It could. Oh, yeah, maybe it is. Or maybe it's like a new, like, you know, like <laughs> the second wave of feminism. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> so much in common. <laughs> They would love that comparison, actually. (laughs) That was really interesting, though. Like that. So then Lisa, she's the Sundance queen, and she owns both a luxury marketing company and a liquor business, multiple liquor brands, but doesn't drink. And that is just wild to me. I don't understand how Mormons feel like it's chill to get lit filler and whatever else is going on on their faces and can't have a goddamn diet coke like what the fuck that yeah it's like your body is a temple but then you like inject botox which like i'm all for but yeah. it is a toxin yeah uh, i don't know it seems like um like a real fine line everyone's walking here And everyone has their own way of interpreting stuff, you know? So it was just interesting when the party actually started, and we're kind of all over the place now, but when the party started, (laughs) and Heather explained that, like, at every party um, where there's an open bar, there's the people who don't drink, and they're all by the open bar and having a good time, and then all the Mormons are kind of, like, secretly drinking in a corner and acting like they're not. Oh, yeah, that was fascinating. That reminds me of, so I lived in Bangladesh um, 11 years ago when I was doing my graduate work on public health. And 
I'll never forget, I got really drunk on the flight there because I heard it was a dry country <laughs> and they were offering champagne and I had four glasses and I landed and I was drunk, um, which was not smart, you know, to try and navigate your way through the Dhaka International Airport, <laughs> the city of like anywhere between 15 and 30 million people. They can't quite figure out how many people live there. So that night, um, another American who was there for the same program, but was on her way to leave was like, oh, come to this party. And the party was all Bangladeshis, but it was at this fancy hotel. And because it was an American hotel, they were allowed to have alcohol. And um, people would like, you know, wear more traditional clothing, and then get out, go into the hotel, go in the bathroom and strip down into their Western more revealing clothes, and then go to the bar. And it was like that, like, the wealthier you were, the like, less the rules applied, mm-hmm. it felt like. And that was like a very bizarre introduction to uh, nightlife in Bangladesh, which very much exists. So... Yeah, I I grew up with some Mormons because there's a community of Mormons in D.C. And I grew up in Bethesda, Maryland. And um, I remember that there was such a like little controversy amongst them in particular, like who was drinking and who was not. And also there were some Mormons who would like come to parties where there would be drinking, but they wouldn't drink. But then they ended up being wilder than a lot of the the drunk people because I think there was a lack of ability to sort of release um, anything in in at home like it, it, any kind of environment where you're told all the things that you cannot do suddenly when you're amongst people who are able to do things you're just like you go nuts and I remember being like this like this guy was just out of control like touching everybody and I I mean not at the at the time it wasn't in a way where I was like concerned about people's safety it was more like is he okay like honey maybe you should think about separating a little bit because you need to get some of this out of your system well I always feel like the cultures and people that are most repressed like act out in devious ways. So cultures that are sexually repressed have the most like insane sex stuff going on. Um, oh, yeah. Bangladesh was a lot like that. Like people are so repressed. And I feel like there was more excessive drinking and drug use um, because they, for whatever reason, you know, the religion and everything, people didn't casually drink with their families. And so it was just like, really, even in the US, when you're told you don't drink till you're 21. And yet, the people who abuse it the most are that like 18 to 21 age, you know, because you're not supposed to. Yeah. So yeah, I threw up a lot in college. (laughs) I know, me too. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never be able to drink Bacardi Limon again. (laughs) (gasps) Oh, we used to do the most disgusting thing with Bacardi Limon and, and Melon and all the Bacardis yeah. where we would just mix it with the flavor ice packets. So we'd like oh. over, we'd also flavor it and then put like a, maybe a li- like a splash of water. And it was horrific, full of sugar, vomit every time. 
Well, sugar is so awful. Like now when I drink, which I barely do at all, I like have wine with no added sugar and I never put sugar in any of my drinks because like I will get a headache halfway down, like halfway through the glass of wine, I will get a headache. So what happens when you get old? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, do I need to take the aspirin before I start? <laughs> it's like so pathetic. Um, well, let's talk about Meredith. So she's got this husband, Seth, and three kids, and Brooks, who is just the most fabulous thing to ever grace our screen. And you can see that, so they live part-time in Utah and part-time in Chicago, but you can tell her husband's mainly in Chicago, and she's not really loving that and kind of broke my heart when her husband had this grand you know floral arrangement brought to the house and it was like for her birthday but yet he wasn't there and her son assumed that he was surprising her and going to be there on her birthday and it was just all these flowers on the floor on yes flowers on the floor I looked at my boyfriend and I was like, I swear to God, if you ever are out of town on my birthday and think it's appropriate to put a bunch of flowers on my floor that then I have to clean up, like, <laughs> I no, I'll break up with you immediately. But it seemed like Seth thought it was a great idea. Well, he seems like an idiot. <laughs> I know. I know. He's like, obs- I think he's just obsessed with his work. But, you know, in the previews for the rest of the season, it seems like they have some marital struggles, which is really oh. tough. I know. I'm I'm worried. I'm concerned. I think she was my favorite, too. I like her, like, cold vibes. I love a uh, an emotionally unavailable older woman. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really liked her, too. She's the one that made the most sense to me. Mm-hmm. She's got this business okay she's got the son she loves they seem really close you know she seemed to have normal friendships she's not saying anything too outrageous right away so um but it was really awkward where they were talking about um like their sex life and her husband joked that he was under sexed yeah and then he's like well we said we'd be honest don't love that Ooh. Like, are you yeah. guys using, like, the Bravo cameras as therapy? <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe if you weren't in Chicago as much, you'd be having sex with your wife more. Just a thought. <laughs> Just, like, <laughs> that was pretty wild. And then we meet Whitney Rose, who I thought I wasn't going to like her based on her voice. But mm. I was here for every single iconic thing she said and did. Let me list. Okay. So it starts with a vowel renewal. She renews her vows on the first episode of the first season she ever is on. Like, she does not care if that's a kiss of death. She doesn't give a shit. I was like, this, this bitch, I can get behind. She, at the vow renewal party, pole dances in front of her friends and family that thought her marriage would never last because she met him when they worked together and were both married to other people. In front of her father. Her father was right behind her. <laughs> Who With looks that like weird the, haircut. Yeah, he looks like um, the head singer on Green Day. Oh, my God. That Yes, he looks like, what's his name? Billy, <laughs> Billy something. His name. Um, yeah. Fuck. I thought he looked also sort of like uh, Winona Ryder in Beetlejuice, but. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Yes. She was like the, probably one of the most iconic. Like I I did not ex- hear anything about her beforehand. It was always about Mary or Jen, you know, just mm-hmm. when you're like, and she stuck out to me as just, she doesn't give two shits. I also was, um, I mean, his kids, some of them or all of them, I don't know, seem to be at the wedding I or the vow renewal. Yeah. Um, and that is uh, nice of very nice of them seeing as he left their mother for this tiny woman um I, it's way nicer than i would ever be so good for them <laughs> yeah maybe you know they do have a good relationship with them now and maybe yeah and it's maybe he's years. a lot happier now and maybe the mom is a lot happier Oh, on Watch What Happens Live, I think it was when Andy asked Heather how she felt about Mary marrying this dude because they're cousins or not Mary. Sorry, Whitney. Whitney marrying this guy because they're cousins. Um, And Heather was like, he's one of the hottest guys in Salt Lake City. I know that was my face as well. Horror. (laughs) Just like mouth open. Like, I'm sorry, that's the hottest man in Salt Lake City. Okay, well, I wanted to visit, but now I'm not so sure. That's and he was, very he was like 18 years older than her. He was like creepy watching her and cheering her on when she was doing the pole dancing. I mean, I love a supportive husband. I do. But, um, I, do. I don't. I, maybe, you know what? He's probably gonna be the best fuck one. I bet he is because I feel like they just like don't care. They've already they're like, we've already done the worst thing we could do. Like everyone has been judging us. So let's just live our truth. And they both seem a lot happier because of it. Yeah. Oh, good for them. God and love then, them. Uh, we've got then finally Mary, who is famously married to her step grandfather. Now, people have been starting to dig up some stuff about her past. And one of the things that I found was that it sounds like one, a bunch of people at the church believe that she was sleeping with her step grandpa before her grandmother died. That is something that is out there on on Reddit. Who knows? I mean, this is allegedly. And then the other thing, she apparently took a couple years off and no one knew where she was. And she came back and looked incredibly different. So she had multiple surgeries to do all sorts of stuff to alter her face and her body and then came back. Um, and I think some of it was paid for by church money. And then the final thing is that she and her husband act as if they are a conduit to God, like they Mm. are God when they are at the church. And so people kind of have to treat them like God. I don't know. it It sounded very it sounds like they're grifters. Well, who the fuck is that rich when you're supposed to be right. like the leaders of a spiritual community? That is a huge red flag for me. Yeah. That that money is supposed to be going back into the community and like the works that you're doing. I mean, if you're following what Jesus suggested, um, that is presumably what you're supposed to be doing. Like that, the fact that they're that rich and the money is just coming from that that's weird to me. I think they have some other businesses too. Like I think they have an empire of like not just church, but other stuff. 
I just, I always find it very strange when people who are um, like high up in any kind of religious capacity are not super altruistic and are showy about wealth and um, have a lot because I thought, and maybe I'm wrong because I'm Jewish and I don't know, but I thought that the major tenets of most religion were like Sadaka and, and which is charity in the Torah and like, you know, just sort of good Acts deeds of and giving kindness. back. Yeah. Yeah. Repairing so, the I don't world. Know. I don't love that. But also Mary seems very out to lunch, which is the nicest way I can put it. She is something is not all right with her. Um, uh-huh. Ray Sa- Sani, uh, the, the comedian, she's hilarious. And she writes for a bunch of sketch shows and stuff. She was saying that Mary reminded her of a black woman who's not friends with other black women because other black women know that she's whack. So she has to hang out with all these white people who like are That's too afraid to call her on her shit. <laughs> Well, it seems like there's going to be some sort of like racial tension stuff that comes up between her and Jen. Jen. Is it Jen? Yeah, which I'm, you know, I want to watch that. I'm very excited to see what's going on there. In the previews, she says like, oh, that's so ghetto. And I feel like (sighs) that, you know, we're, we're hearing that a lot in Potomac, too. I just like I it's I can't talk or I shouldn't have a voice in this realm because I'm a white person, but I don't love hearing that um, word like weaponized against people. I just think it's, I don't right. like it. And hopefully Jen will be able to explain why like she doesn't appreciate it in a way that I feel like I haven't heard on Potomac yet. Like no one seems to go after Candace for calling Monique a ghetto ass bitch and the hood came out Monique saying that about herself is very different than other people saying it about her, in my opinion. Yes. Oh, I agree with that opinion. So no one ever seems to be like, hey, that kind of language is very othering. Like you're separating her from like you are some sort of like higher class person. And yeah, it's totally classist. It's obnoxious. So yeah. um, Okay. So just a couple final things on Salt Lake. So this party was insane. There was a step in a pre there was a it was nothing to do with Meredith's birthday. It was all about Jen, which, you know, I mean, I love a classic narcissist on Housewives, but this took it to a level I could have never imagined. Meredith really took it in stride. I respected that stoicism. Um yeah. Meredith took that in stride. Like <laughs> it was so crazy. There were meatballs on sticks. There was her friend, Sarah, who thought it was Jen's birthday, who I think that was my favorite part of the entire episode. (laughs) She is the only person I have requested to follow post episode. I swear to God, someone sent me her Instagram and I'm like, I need more of this woman. I need to find out who she is. That was incredible. She shows up with this huge gift for Jen and Jen's like, my birthday is in October. It was like, this was amazing. Oh, it was so perfect. And she's like confused, kind of drunk, like, happy birth- birthday, birthday, 
<laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> so like, and then there was this um, Heather versus Lisa, where they went to college together at BYU, and Lisa thinks she like acts like she didn't know Heather back then, but then at the same time, as saying she doesn't know her, says that she was just like one of those good time girls who flashed people. <laughs> it's like, which one is it, Lisa? Like, also, I don't. I think that her a, a BYU good time girl reputation is probably the tamest human in any other group. Like, come on. Right? Yeah. I liked how Heather said, like, yeah, it's sort of my dream to be able to go back to a real school, join a real sorority, and be a real good time girl. Oh, <laughs> she's doing it everyone. now. Like, licking those meatballs at that party, just... <laughs> She is uh, well on her way. Meatballs on a stick were a choice. <laughs> Made oh, everything that much better. And so then the final big issue, which will continue into next week, is um, you see Jen and Mary kind of arguing over something that happened a few months back where Jen's aunt had, I don't know, I'm assuming diabetes, and had to get both legs amputated last minute. Jen was at the hospital with her aunt and then went to a place where Mary was. And Mary said, you smell like hospital, which she said was triggering to her because she coded twice during surgery she was having, which then checks out that other thing I was saying about how she went away and had all these surgeries. But also the surgery that she mentioned was to get her odor glands removed. Yeah, that's like. What is that? So you don't sweat? Right. I was trying to think, is there any medical reason to get that? I think it's dangerous. Like, don't you have to sweat? Isn't that like how your body both cools itself and also (laughs) removes toxins? I once heard that if you get your sweat glands removed, then your sweat just travels to strange areas. So like instead of sweating at your armpits, you're going to be like sweating majorly like under your tits or something. And it's going to look way weirder to have like two giant wet spots in your chest than in your armpits where everybody has it. So I don't know. That's what I heard. I'm not a doctor. Wild. (laughs) I think she had all kinds of stuff done. I'll post a picture on Instagram because there is a before and after. (gasps) Oh, my God. I need to see that. I'll send it to you right after this. It is pretty Um, wild. Okay. There's a lot going on. There's a lot happening with her. I mean, (sighs) When she she called that one woman over to try and get her to provide some clarity in what happened at that dinner. And then when the woman said what she didn't want to hear, she was like, why are you here? Get the fuck away from this conversation. And I I was just sitting there like screaming at the TV like, you told her to come over. She's talking because you asked her to. So mean. <laughs> so so mean. Oh, my God. These women, I'm all about it, though. Like, I haven't seen something this chaotic and out there in a long time. I I am very excited. Um, I I think that (laughs) I think that this is going to be a wild ride. (laughs) Me too. And uh, we'll we'll see what happens with Salt Lake. But it was not what I was expecting. Yeah, I, I. I think that they have certainly exceeded expectations. And I think that this is also a poster child for why it is more interesting and better when you have more diversity in your cast. Because 
look at these perspectives that we're getting that we never would have gotten. Like a Jewish woman who's become Mormon, uh, a bunch of people who are in weird places with the Mormon church, like a woman who was Mormon and now is Muslim. Like, And this is just so fascinating. It's so fascinating. It's awesome. I hope. I also liked that a lot of the women had been married for a very long time, which means that they're older. Like, I like housewives in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, like, mm-hmm. with the exception of Potomac, because I love all the ladies on Potomac, and a lot of them are in their 30s. But normally, oh, yeah. I want to see women, usually with older kids. I get annoyed seeing all the baby stuff. It's just not as interesting, yeah. although I'm so happy for them, you know, when they have babies <laughs> and stuff, but it's like, eh. The only, there's one baby that I love and I will, I follow this baby on Instagram. I will do anything for this baby. I have never met it. Um, Shamia's daughter from Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta. Yes. I, her daughter has the most incredible facial expressions. She's constantly looking like she is shocked and upset at everybody. And I think it's <laughs> so beautiful. I, I love this baby. This. Yeah, I'll send, I'll send you. I love Milani on Potomac. <laughs> Milani. That's um, Milani? Oh, Monique, uh, Monique and Chris's uh, second child, the daughter. She's oh, yeah. beautiful. Like, yeah, her stunning. Kids really and also hilarious when she's on that little like iPad with the butterfly holder. <laughs> like, I don't remember and, this. It's like in the kitchen. Whenever she's in the kitchen, they have the iPad set up in front of her for like her to play games, basically, because there's like all these other kids and animals and a parrot and like a shark tank. <laughs> like, Monique yeah. is trying to, you know, get everything done. And um, yeah, she's adorable. Um, so speaking of Potomac, did you watch this week? Yes, I actually just watched today. I was a little behind. It is. Oh, it's so good. So uh, we see that Monique counterfiled against Candace, and Candace is so angry. But I don't know what you think. I just can't imagine what Candace was thinking, not just getting these charges filed. That's fine if you want to have like a public record of what happened, if you're worried about legal action. But to say, not only do I want these charges filed, but I want her prosecuted at the fullest extent of the law and make it be known that way. Of course, she's going to come and do something else. You're just making it worse. Also, like in this year, when Candace has been very outspoken against, rightfully so, against the racism of the criminal justice system and how um, it is biased against people of color, and you are trying to use it. Like you yep. can't, you can't have it both ways. You can't have it when you want it and also say it's completely fucked up. Like I. I went to my wallet stolen and I had to file a report with the police because I needed to have that paperwork done for the credit card companies. And I spoke with them and they asked me what I did for a living. And I sort of uh, danced around it for a while. And then finally told them that I work for a public defender's office. And they were like, well, if we are, if we do any work on this, are you even going to show up? Are you even going to file a deposition or, or come to the grand jury or anything like that? If we catch who did it. And I was like, totally. Yeah, I will. Duh. Because I wanted them to do what I asked them to do, which was just give me like, I, I explained to them even how to find where the wallet was. Like I, I located the store that they had used my credit card at and like, um, 
told them what time it was so they could just get the video surveillance. Like I just wanted my grandma's fucking wallet back. I was never going to prosecute these kids. Of course not. Right. No chance. But um, that is because when something happens to me, I have to remember what my values are and what I care about. And even though it happened to me, I still have to live in those values. And fucking Candace just did what her mom told her to do because she's so desperate for her attention and love. It's really sad. And I I mean, I don't want to like take Monique's side in this. I think Monique made a huge mistake for being violent. Um, And there's no excuse. I don't think Candace was asking for it or any of that rhetoric. But at the same time, I don't think this move by Candace is going to bring her any peace or forgiveness, which I think is what she needs for herself. Yeah, I just think that um, Candace constantly is is sabotaging herself. She really is. It sucks. I think she's going to be done after this season. I feel like she came like we were talking. I don't know if it was last week or the week before. Like Housewives is a marathon, not a sprint. So if you come in too hot, you'll burn out and everyone will tire of you. And you need to kind of keep reinventing yourself, keep running along as opposed to just like ramming it through. And I feel like Candace, it's just all fading. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely think that is a great analysis. I don't know. Then we see Monique and Karen have lunch and I just love how Monique is not, you know, she's like, listen, let me listen to what Karen has to say. And, you know, Karen said, yeah, I did tell Candace that if it were me and I had been attacked, I would totally like get charges filed because <laughs> like I can't defend myself. Monique laughed and was like, yeah, OK, that's fair, you know. Um, and then it slips that uh, they're all going to Portugal and she's not going. But that's where I feel like is the show fake sometimes because there's no way that Monique didn't know there was a cast trip coming up. Right. Right. There's so, no way. There's no way she didn't know. I'm sure that also Ashley had to have a pretty frank conversation with producers that was like, I want my friend Monique to come. And they were like, well, if she does, all these girls aren't going to come and then we're not going to film. So you're going to need to not invite her. Yeah, totally. So then they, you see, oh, this is the worst part. So Ashley is getting ready to go to Portugal and she's leaving Dean with Michael for only a few days. And the only job Michael has for this baby is once a day putting him to bed at 7 a.m. or 7 p.m. That's it. All That's all he has to do. He doesn't have to feed it. He doesn't have to do anything. Her friend Eve is going to be with him the entire day watching him. So it was just wild that the first night that they're there, you know, he doesn't, he's not home. It's like 7.09 and the bedtime is 7. And, you know, he's still in the car and he's avoiding her calls. That just, it broke my heart. Like, why can't he just do his job? That man is the worst. He is the worst. I think he's the worst house husband I've ever seen, barring any of the ones that have, like, physically abused their wives. Yeah, there. I'm not really good in on New Jersey, but I know there's like an old house husband from New Jersey who like um, is really anti-gay and has a gay son. Is it Jim? 
Yeah, I think yeah. Jim Bellino, something like that. Jim Merchants. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong gym. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I think that uh, I'm not maybe not getting the story totally right because I there were no, I a think lot you're of right. Yeah. I wasn't into Jersey until recently and I've never seen the old ones. So Yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, it's so so Ashley, it's so crazy. So she she knows that Michael sometimes, you know, feels bad before he goes out and does something he shouldn't do. So she tells him that he can call her at any time. If he feels like he's about to make a bad decision. And he's like, it's so good to know that I can like, you know, lean on you. And it's like, lean on her because you feel like you're going to cheat on her. Oh, my God. You know, I had the same thing happen to me, actually. I had one of my ex-boyfriends told me we were we were sort of like having a lot of long conversations about a relationship and like whether or not we should be together and all this stuff. And then I was falling asleep one night and almost, almost asleep. And he goes. I just have to be honest with you. Like he was a musician. He was like, if I go on the road, like I, I might cheat on you. And I was like, you couldn't have told me that in the fucking morning because now of course we have to break up. Like Ashley break up with him. It's, it's... <laughs> he told you he might cheat on you unless you pick up the phone. When, if you have a missed call, you're going to freak the fuck out. That's a horrible setup. Horrible. And it's, if it's her fault, and later when Ugh. they talk about it, you know, Robin said, you know, I had, she, she had similar infidelity issues with Juan when she was a new mom and said that she wants Ashley to stop taking responsibility for what's happening with Michael. You know, she's a new mom and Michael needs to support her. But I just don't think Ashley is there. God, I love Robin sometimes. Oh, Robin is one of the most underrated housewives in the history of housewives. I fucking adore her. Yeah. Adore. Then the thing that I think is just going to blow up this season and going to lead to a lot of shit going down is that Monique asked Ashley to write a statement in defense of her talking about Candace's situation last year with the butter knife. And, um, you know, Ashley's doing it because Monique has always been loyal to her. Um, never told anyone about Ashley's marriage being open in the past. But the thing that I think is the real issue is I am nearly confident that Monique has cameras in her basement that caught Michael grabbing that cameraman's ass last year and she didn't turn it over. That's what I think it uh-huh. is. Yeah, I I think that they have, which, I mean, they clearly have a very genuine friendship that is also based on trust. And they trust each other to keep each other's secrets and to have each other's backs, which is good. Like in a normal friendship, I would hope that I would have that with other people, but you're on a show and this is legal. Like this is beyond, you know, the TV show that you're on. Like this is real. And Ashley, you realize you're the only one who wasn't there and you're the only one who has this opinion. Like, how are you not seeing that those two things are connected? Just like how she's not seeing that Michael is the problem, like in every possible situation in her relationship. <laughs> I want to like Ashley so badly, and I do, but her judgment is horrible. <laughs> she has bad judgment. Actually, um, one of my friends has been bringing his daughter to this park in Arlington for the last God knows how many months every Saturday. And Ashley's been there every Saturday with Dean, and he only, like God knows how many months in, finally figured out that she's a real housewife. Oh, my God. So their kids have been, like, playing kind of near each other. 
oh my god uh uh he's gonna befriend ashley he's already friendly with her they talk and he had no idea (laughs) okay well this is great i mean we need to just like subtly get this ashley is pregnant again and my friend's wife is pregnant again and so they've been like talking about it friend's wife no idea what the housewives are you know they just don't watch it so it, they were kind of both have kids the same age and all of that. And they're talking about Arlington and daycare and all kinds of shit. And yeah. And then he was like, hey. And then he sent a picture of her that he like awkwardly took when she wasn't looking. He's like, do you know this woman? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I know everything about Ashley, her. And that's Ashley Darby. Right. And he's like, oh, yeah. So she's at the park every Saturday if you like want to awkwardly come by. But it's just a bunch of like losers with their kids. <laughs> I just want him and his wife to like just subtly say some stuff about like healthy relationships or, you know, how great she is and how she deserves a really wonderful person or something. I know. I know. I don't think anything is going to change her mind at this point. And, you know, maybe she's holding out for that prenup or postnup or whatever it is to... But I think she loves him. And I wouldn't, I would not care at all if it seemed like she didn't care. You know, if, if I was getting Erica Girardi vibes where it was like, you've got your own life going on, you're good, you're stable. But she's, you know, sitting in a hotel room in Portugal crying. That's not okay. Do you think she was crying because of Michael or crying also because of Dean? Well, I do think it was a combo of both. I do. Yeah. But also like, this is this is not a good person who you should continue to have kids with. Like right. you deserve a, at least a present co-parent. Yeah. Oh, it's so, ah! I know, so dark. I so know. Dark. <laughs> Just like, want to like shower it off me. Um, I know. Uh, but they go to Portugal and it seems yeah. so beautiful and fun. I just, I'm not clear what city they're in. Madeira. Oh, okay. I've never Which been I don't know where that is in Portugal. I'm not very familiar with Portugal, but seems super cool. And so (laughs) the hotel has chocolate lipstick. It was funny having each of them try to figure out if it was lipstick or chocolate. (laughs) That was amazing. If I I watched Candace do that and I was like, if she just ate lipstick, I'm leaving. Like, I I can't. (laughs) I was like, I could watch another probably 20 minutes of them each trying to figure out what was chocolate. (laughs) It was like. It was great. Um, so they have dinner at the hotel. Karen is drinking milk to help with her ulcer, apparently. But on Watch What Happens Live, she said that she actually had a bacterial infection and she didn't realize how bad it was. And when she came back, she like got diagnosed with it, like a stomach thing. So it's so like old school and weird to drink milk <laughs> as a way to help your stomach issues and as a Jewish woman, I personally <laughs> feel like that's not a good idea. <laughs> like, as a Jewish woman, the last thing you do when you feel bad is drink milk. They're like, no, girl, that's only going to create way more problems. <laughs> I am like a walking dictionary of what you should eat if it's just continuously coming out of you at both ends. Bananas, yeah. rice, applesauce, toast. Yeah, brat. Brat, the brat diet. The brat yeah. diet. <laughs> I'm so Jewish that even my dog has IBD. Yeah, I think they taught the brat diet in Hebrew school alongside the Torah portion for your bat mitzvah. And yes, there are weird things that Jews give their kids when they don't feel well. You know, my mom, for whatever reason, thought that if you had something cold, 
that wasn't good. So she gave me room temperature seven up when I had an upset set stomach. It was oh, awful. To this day, I'm barely drink pop because of it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, then we hear about Wendy being named after Wendy's because that's where her father <gasps> became a manager. And that if that is not the best immigrant story we have heard on Bravo to date, I can't tell you what is. That was incredible and almost made up for the fact that she keeps talking about how educated she is, which is very annoying. Yeah, I think it's annoying, but I also think she doesn't realize how much she's doing it. And now Mm -hmm. watching it back, she's really embarrassed and like openly embarrassed. Yeah. Like in interviews, she's like, I'll never say it again. I didn't realize I was talking about it. And that's the interesting thing that I've heard a lot of people say after they're on reality shows is that they watch themselves and there are so many things that they learn about themselves, which is must be so fascinating, but also terrifying and humiliating. But I like someone that can take a note, you know, mm-hmm. whereas mm-hmm. I feel like if it was, I don't know, a Ramona or a Jen Shaw, as we're kind of seeing like oh, some woman who will just double down on anything. I like that Wendy's like, yeah, so I overdid that. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it just, it doesn't bother me when I see it now. Cause it's like, I see she was coming in. That was the narrative that they gave her, that she gave herself, that she just kept inserting into every conversation in a way that was completely mm-hmm. unnecessary that she couldn't tell was unnecessary until she saw it, you know? Yeah. Yes. I think the two best people who have pivoted like that are on Vanderpump, Kristen and, and uh, Katie. Like, I, I do you watch Vanderpump? Oh, my Did God. You? My dog is named Stassi, unfortunately. Oh, shit. That's yeah, she's so a little funny. white bitch. So, you know, it works. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, you know, Kristen at some point in the more recent seasons, like got a therapist and mm-hmm. it you know, I'm not saying she's perfect. She's still Kristen Doty, um, but she definitely improved. And also Katie with the being mean while drinking certainly didn't happen on camera. So yep. good for her. Yeah. And Katie suffered from PTSD as a result of the fall that she had through a skylight. Oof. I feel like that was not talked about enough. I it, They didn't talk about it until like season six. Or something like that. Yeah. It was and either last season or the one before. That was like a couple seasons ago. But it was, it impacted like this, her brain. Like she had a traumatic brain injury. And that can actually impact your mood, your memory, your behavior. And so like when she would get angry and like be upset with Schwartz, like that's not how she used to behave, she would say. Like and it, she did an interview on it in detail once where she explained that like, she just became a different person and she was trying to like get back to the way she was before the fall. It's interesting. I've had a couple of clients whose parents have said things like that. Like they had this head injury and after that um, things changed. And I think it is just, we know nothing about the brain. It's terrible. Oh my gosh. And then we at dinner, Karen starts calling out Giselle for not seeing, for them not really seeing Jamal. Like, she's not having Jamal come with her to any events. And she points out that the rest of them, their husbands, they show up. They're partners, you know. And she says, is he not proud of you? 
which is just like Karen knows how to dish it and it's just like been years of Giselle poking at Karen and poking at Karen and poking at Karen and finally she is like oh hell no and I don't know I mean excuse me Jamal first of all lives in Atlanta and has an entire congregation of women that he's banging he does not have time (laughs) to come in for every Giselle party He's, you know, got a lot of other ladies to service, okay? Yeah, He's got, like, children. ten kids. Yeah. He's busy. He cannot come. <laughs> oh, my God. It is just wild. And so when Robin actually is like, hey, like, if you're in a relationship, you know, and you're happy about, like, why wouldn't you share that with your friends? Like, when we share our men with each other. And that sounded weird when we share our men with each other. But, you know, (laughs) we all know what Robin was saying. (laughs) It's just so funny that Giselle expects Robin to, like, always have her back publicly and never call her on her shit. And that bothers me. I like Robin to be a little bit more independent from Giselle. Yeah, I think that it it just kind of does show Giselle's personality a little bit where it is like she dishes it out but can't really take it, which is annoying. Yeah. And I can I can also understand like Karen's perspective where she's annoyed totally. by that. Totally. Yeah. Giselle is always shitting on Karen. And finally Karen has realized that like everybody else agrees that Giselle has terrible clothes. And so she's like pounced on this and is making that her thing that Giselle dresses horribly, which is very funny. Oh, did you and see like her it. on Watch What Happens Live this week? Karen? Yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't. So that's the best Watch What Happens Live I've seen in a while. So she, Karen's just so funny. She's basically saying that, you know, like, it's all good. Like, that's her trademark. Like, I love her still. Like, all this stuff. And I forgot who the guest was. And the guest was saying, you know, that is some shade, like, serving shade in the name of Jesus. Like, (laughs) it's like this, the back and forth is so funny. And they're like, it's just incredible. It's it's such good television. It's so funny how she just it, it gets so ridiculous that Andy has to use the cue card over his mouth to hide his whole face because he's laughing so hard <laughs> and it's so mean. Yeah, but like what she was wearing to dinner and that dinner where she had that bedazzled headband what? What and the red top with the like green army print like the whole thing was nuts. Oh, I, I, it's uh, the way that she sees color is <laughs> different. <laughs> it is I, something else. And the thing is, the reason I think it's so funny is because she's so beautiful by like anyone's eye that to take like this beautiful woman and to just wear something so hideous. It's hilarious. She still looks good. She can never oh, yeah. not look good. Like, no matter, no makeup, anything, she looks beautiful. So it's just so funny to see her wear this shit. Like, that headband? Come on. Where the fuck do you buy that thing? Did she make it herself with one of those rhinestone makers? I had one of those back when I used to dance in high school, and we had to, like, make our uniforms. <laughs> oh, it was, yeah. It was really bad. Also, was she the one who was wearing that, like, gookie or whatever that like gucci did a line of like really gross clothes and she was wearing something like that i mean it wouldn't surprise me if she spent a lot of money to look that bad yeah it was like bedazzled it was a bedazzled hat or something i just and feel it like, said, like only dorit could pull it off yeah i also think that dorit has she certainly has an eye but she also has a lot of people working for her 
and helping true. her. That's true. Fair. And I, yeah, Giselle needs to hire a fucking stylist or multiple. Or that guy <laughs> that like worked on her wig that made her wig, wig look so good. I forgot how many yeah. episodes ago he like took that hideous wig and made it beautiful. Yeah, she needs um, him to maybe go through her closet. Or yeah. I'll, I'll come over. Whoever. Him, me, anybody. <laughs> I mean, I'm wearing a sweatshirt right now from Door County, Wisconsin, and I think that would look better <laughs> than half <laughs> the things that she has shown up in. <laughs> um, so then finally, the next day, they go to a market, cable car, um, Ashley and Karen chat, and then... They talk about the degrees again. Karen apologizes. But then the real thing comes when Karen tells Giselle to be cautious about Jamal. And Giselle decides to call Jamal and FaceTime him so that to prove kind of like they're really in a relationship. And it just keeps going and going and going. And I just I don't know where this is going to go. I can't tell if it's going to get really mean or just keep being shady. I I don't either. Um, I just, I love it so much more when Karen or Giselle are friends. Me too. So it makes me sad because they are powerhouses. And when they're together, everything is incredible. I like when they laugh together. Yeah. It's like such a history. So, okay. Final question. What do you, so I've been hearing that the finale is absolutely bonkers and we've seen some previews, but like, what do you think goes down at the finale? On Potomac? Yeah. What, what could it be that's so out there that makes everyone go, <gasps> oh, Jesus, I don't know. I mean, maybe they bring, you know what I would, I would think it would be that they would bring back that one woman who Monique hates and Candace befriended. Oh, Sharice. Yeah. Um, I would think that they had, would have something to do with her, but they recently just cut her out completely from the Wendy um, baby party episode yeah she was like sitting at the table and you couldn't even tell right so you know i would think it would have something to do with her and and monique's marriage this like weird thing that sort of exists in the background but um i don't know i heard they're together they did the they filmed the reunion today and they were all together yeah although i think Marilyn's sort of shutting down so this may have been the last the (laughs) last day they could have done it in person so sad you know what i i fully respect and believe in all of the covid precautions but i would be the first one to be like you let them in the same room together like (laughs) have them you know distance have them isolate for a couple weeks get tested now that i'm saying that i like the zoom reunions I did. They were fine. Yeah, it works better with some than others. I felt like it worked really good with Atlanta. I wasn't mm-hmm. feeling it on Beverly Hills. Um, I wasn't really feeling it on Vanderpump Rules. I don't know. I feel like yeah. I want to see Monique and Candace in the same room together. I want to see like everyone's vibe with each other. Yeah. You know, like their that. whole face, like their whole, not just their face, but their their body, like how their bodies are positioned. There's just so much there. Yeah, I definitely agree. So, well, thank you so much for joining me. This was so fun. Tell everyone, like, if there's anything you want to plug, whether it's social media or if there's, you know, a charity or 501c3 you want to tell people to donate to or a protest people should go to. Um, Well, if you want to follow me, I'm not underscore Topanga on Instagram. 
Um, and I post a lot about like stuff I'm giving to or promoting or whatever, but, um, I mean, yeah, there's a, a lot, a lot to spread around right now, but I think generally speaking, bail projects are like a really good place to donate because, um, people being incarcerated right now is a huge problem with COVID and, um, with the way that the criminal justice system is regularly oppressive. So give some money yeah. to some bail projects. COVID is so dangerous with prisons. I was talking to my sister-in-law about like what the real dangers were back with when the George Floyd pro- protests were happening. And she mm-hmm. said the danger isn't all those people together because everyone's in a mask, but the danger is people being locked up, staying overnight one or two nights and then being re-released into society when they could have contracted COVID inside the prison. That's yeah. what will potentially drive up rates. And so Absolutely. And I mean, I recently had to go to a juvenile detention facility for the first time since, you know, March, February, something like that. And I I took on that risk myself because I decided it was something that was important enough for me to do that. But I got there and there were a bunch of people who were not correctly wearing their masks. And I was, um, it wasn't long that I had to be around those people like in the lobby area, but I was, uh, it's, I don't think that in every jail, everyone is, is wearing their mask properly is what is all I'm saying is that like, I think there's a lot, there's a huge variation in um, compliance and that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on. This was so fun. Um, You are such a joy and hopefully we can chat again in the future. We love that. 